0: Have you been hitting the books and listening to lectures all day? It's time to relax, to unwind, and listen up. This is Brooke from Campus Chronicles, your go-to podcast for everything student life. No matter where you are in your academic journey, we have you covered. Think of us as a trusted mentor, friend, and confidant who always has your back. We'll be sharing inspiring stories, thought-provoking insights, and practical advice to help you succeed in and out of the classroom. So get ready to be inspired, enlightened, and entertained. Hello, hello, everyone. I am incredibly excited to be here with a wonderful woman. Her name is Jane Reason, and she is from Jane Reason Coaching. I said, you are spoiling me. That is such an easy name and such an easy business name. So we've been
1: having a good laugh about that before we hopped on. Yeah, but, you know, strangely, people have got my surname wrong before because there used to be something called a reason chocolate tube, which was spelt differently to the word reason. Well, you, you learn something new every day. And Jane, we
0: are going to have so much fun diving into your story, diving into your background, your passions, your ambitions. But before we dive into what you're doing now, can you give us the little Cliff Notes version of who Jane is and, and perhaps your backstory?
1: Yes. Yeah, so Jane Jane is a uh, physicist. I have a physics degree. I then worked for a little while as a communications um, research engineer before starting a family. And then thought, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't really like sitting in a room on my own with big expensive equipment. I like to be with people, so I became a teacher. And uh, I was a teacher for twenty seven years, and during that time, I was um, no, I, I was a teacher for only two years of that because essentially I was a teacher, and then a lead and a leader for the rest of it. Because within two years of starting my teaching career, I became a head of physics, deputy head of science, uh, running a year group out of year, an assistant head of a school, then a head teacher or principal, and then a deputy CEO. So, yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell um, in my past. Uh, and I left that um, just over a year ago. So for various reasons, uh, mostly because I worked myself to the ground and that wasn't good for me. So that's where some of my current passions come from.
0: I think that's a big common thread for women is that you work so hard doing a number of things, career, family, life, passions, whatever it is. And then you work yourself to death and you wake up one day and you say, I've created this, but it isn't necessarily
1: what I wanted. Right. That is so common for women. It is, and and particularly women of of sort of mid in midlife, sort of my age and a little bit younger. And I know that when I look back about six years ago, I was thinking, there's got to be more to this. This isn't what I want anymore. You know, it was almost like I was going through the motions because I knew what I was doing and I didn't have to think and I didn't like that. Um, And, you know, circumstances meant it was really difficult for me to find. New avenues. I did try, but geographically, I couldn't move. Um, and so, and I couldn't sort of at that point envisage taking a huge pay cut or anything like that and really changing or, or because I was the only wage earner at that point. When I got to that point of burnout, um, it just, you know, I just went, I can't do this anymore. And I'm of the age where I could take an early retirement. So, myself and my husband have got early retirement, which means I can now do this job for fun. That's incredible. Everyone describes
0: burnout so different. I know that I've been burnout before, but the experience is it's very individual to individual. How would you describe your burnout, I suppose, in the way that you felt and experienced life in that time?
1: Yeah, I think looking back, I was probably trying to work through burnout for a couple of years, which you can imagine at least a couple of years. And I'd probably had periods being close to it in the past. But this one was particularly scary because. My brain and how quickly it works is a key part of who I am, and I actually lost connection to my brain. I kept telling people I can't think, and I didn't mean I'm struggling to think. I didn't mean right now at this moment I've got a headache, I can't think. I meant I literally can't think. I just couldn't process stuff, and and I've thrived on processing lots of things. I mean, part of the background in me is, and I suspect I'm ADHD, is that I create, I deliberately thrived off stress. I loved it. And then I, I got to that point where stress and me didn't match. And it's just like, what's going on here? I, I don't get this. You know, and I was still trying to go, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. And then going, well, I can't do it because I'd sit there and brain wasn't connected. So I couldn't do it. And I was also known for being incredibly resilient. And that went. So instead of being resilient, I was tearful constantly not great as a deputy ceo or head teacher there's a lot of misconceptions
0: around women in leadership right and one of those is you you look after your staff you look after your employees really well and that is true women have this innate ability to sense what people need but the hardest person to sense what you need is for women at least traditionally yourself
1: absolutely and there's, there's this also this other thing around women in leadership which can happen which wasn't me but I came up against this a lot was this idea that you brought masculine energy and only masculine energy to leadership, you know, and therefore every other element that you were bringing was kind of like soft and not, not a leader. And it's like, why? Because intuition is really useful. Being able to connect with people, being able to understand them, being able to, to sit alongside them and support them, that's all amazing, you know, and those are really powerful skills that we should use. And, and you know and and those those what people tend to refer to as female energy ways of leading are actually as important for men to learn as they are for women to use.
0: and it's important to mix the two styles. You shouldn't always be operating from masculine or you'd be you know incredibly burnout. You shouldn't always be operating from feminine or perhaps you wouldn't be getting you know certain objectives done. but I've seen that a lot too. And I've read that a lot is if you're not in people's face, you're not loud, you're not aggressive using a lot of Excel and PowerPoint, then you're not a true leader.
1: But, you know, it's almost like you people believe you have to exert authority to gain authority. And I don't think it works that way. I think it's more about you earn respect. And through earning respect, you gain permission to have the authority. So it's a very different way of looking at it. I love authority. Well, and and we're speaking to
0: younger students right now who, in many cases, in in many spaces, you have a lot of authorities, right? You have your professors, you know, you may have a, a boss or someone like that at work. And it's hard to develop your own style and level and flow of authority when people are constantly saying, hey, do this or hey, do that or, you know, write your paper this way. What is your advice for a young student that's looking to build those leadership skills and that authority, even if they're still in the university space?
1: So so the interesting thing is, and I think, you know, being having been a student as I I did a physics degree, it's, it's really important to look at the advice you're being given and then take that advice and go, right, what works for me? So you don't have to do everything one way. You know, and I used to say this to trainee teachers and new teachers as well, you know, because quite often in education, people come in and go, you do it this way, you do it that way, you do it the other way. You know, and each week they're giving you a different way. It's wrong. Yeah, exactly. And I would go, no, 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 no. Look, there's something useful in there that I can work for me. I'm going to use that sometimes because it works sometimes. Other times I'm going to do this because this bit over here I like and this bit's me. And so it's really about being, being really clear of who you are and what you want to do. And then taking the advice and and that's coming in and not being fearful to go, that doesn't work for me. And it is quite scary because if you feel that the only way you're going to survive or thrive is to do it exactly one way, you're putting a square peg in a round hole, aren't you? You, you? You know, you're trying to fit something that isn't you into something that somebody else wants. So the best people in positions of power or the best leaders. The mechanism they use for really developing leadership and leaders themselves is empowerment. So it's education. so here's the information. Here's the direction we need you to go. so if we're talking about say an assignment this is this is the kind of this this is the way the assignment needs to sort the, the areas the assignment needs to address. but you have your own way of getting there. So, you know, as a leader, I used to be very clear with my staff, these are the values. This is our this is our vision, this is where we want to go. But you're in your classroom. You know how that classroom is going to work. I you make the decisions in your classroom. They're not my decisions to make for you, they're your decisions to make. And what that breeds is um, a much more effective uh, and much more consistent environment. Because mm-hmm. you're putting
0: that empowerment back
1: in their hands.
0: And I'm just going to make an assumption here. I'm going to assume that physics was or a male-dominated field when you studied. Oh, yes, it was.
1: Yes. There were 66 students on my course and only six of us were female. So that gives you an, inst- uh, uh, an immediate idea.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty steep. Did your empowerment journey begin in university
1: then? Because you were? One of the only women? Yeah, possibly. Possibly it started there or possibly a little bit later, if I'm honest. I went to an all girls school and the six of us who were on this course had all also only been to an all girls school. But I also had the scenario that my dad was a physicist and my dad had done a physics degree at the same university as me. So I was at Durham University, he'd been to Durham University. And so there was kind of this family tradition, if you like, starting. It's carried on because my sister's two girls have also been to Durham. <laughs> Different subjects, but they've been to Durham. Um, but for me, for me, I was I think I had this sense of individuality, um, in lots of ways because my parents had kind of encouraged it. You know, this this feeling like you can do anything that you put your mind to, particularly and i remember finding out you know many years later about carol dweck's uh, growth mindset model of looking at the work you know do you have a mindset that says anything is possible or do you have a mindset that says there's a glass ceiling for me and i can do no more than that and sort of talking with my staff team about this and for so many of them saying but you know i am I am stupid or I am, this is, this is where I can get to, there's no more. And having that really fixed mindset and trying to then trying to explore where does the mindset come from and how do we develop it? And I think, you know, my parents are responsible for me always believing that growth is possible.
0: Our parents are incredible. They're an incredible tool and, and resource for so many people. And I know that my parents were very similar with the growth mindset. So I'm, I'm relating to what you're saying in terms of our student listeners and their growth mindset or the cultivation of their mindset, what piece of advice would you give? You know, when you
1: read that book or you learned about it, you became conscious. I think the biggest piece of advice I would give to people is that failure is not a label. So this whole, like, you know, people who are amazing sports people, you know, they failed thousands of times in order to be successful. This whole idea that f- Fail is first attempt in learning. So each time something doesn't go quite right, it's not defining you. It's not defining your capacity or your or ability. It's giving you an opportunity to learn.
0: I can hear the scientists as you're speaking because that is the science way. With experiments, with all sorts of different science, you have to actually try. But, you know, if, if we
1: had, you know, if, if a toddler, well, a toddler would never become a toddler. If the very first time they tried to stand up and walk, they fell over, and they thought, "Well, walking's not for me." Let's face it. So if you look at a toddler, you know that they're practicing walking, and a baby that's learning to walk falls over more than they succeed, but they keep trying, and that's essentially what we have to do in life. You know, I've failed lots of times. I remember applying for deputy headships eleven times and not getting any of them. You know, it didn't stop me. I got a headship instead. You know. Um, there was a lot of experience in those applications. Y- y- you know, we, we don't always get what we want. Your mental image of the toddler is is
0: charming because I'm thinking of a little toddler walking. And would you say that you believe people are, gr-
1: are born with a growth mindset?
0: Because thinking of the toddler, they keep trying.
1: Yeah, exactly. As, as we grow and as children go through school ed- systems and various other things, they create labels about themselves because... The system gives them labels, and that's not great. You, you know, I mean, in the UK, it's particularly bad because at this moment in time, children get told, You're not quite achieving the level you need to, you're not good enough yet. They don't get a number, they literally get a phrase that says, Not yet achieving standard. I mean, what's that doing? It doesn't say not yet, it just says, Not achieving standard. You know, you're not good enough, you need to try harder. And there's this belief in that system that says, by telling somebody they're failing, they will succeed eventually. But if you tell somebody they're failing and they constantly receive this message that says, you're not good enough, they go, okay, I'm not good
0: enough, I won't try then. You are in the empowerment space now. How do you exercise your own personal power? Say in your business, your personal life? I'd love to hear an example.
1: So one of the things that I do is I set myself some ridiculous challenges. I enter events, long distance swimming events. So I did a seven and a half mile swimming event last July, the water temperature was about 13, so not that warm and it was blowing a gale and heavy rain and even though it was a lake, there was a swell of over two meters at times. So it wasn't an easy one, but it was seven and a half miles long and the way I approach it is one mile at a time. So it's that I don't look at the big picture in the same way. Well, I do. I know that I'm going to get to the end of the lake. And I know that that's the journey at the end of the lake, if you see what I mean. That's the, top, that's the end of the journey. But I focus on the step I'm taking right now in order to achieve that journey. So, you know, I know that in my business journey, you know, I'm relatively new to business. I'm focusing on the steps I can take now, you know, and I um, guess I came from an environment where my audience was captive, if you like. They had to like me I, I had to um, get them to go in the direction I wanted them to go, but what I didn't have to do was make you know say to them um, i'd like to work with you in that same way do you know what I mean I, there was a different dynamic to that I think that sales and, and gaining clients is a bit like going to interviews in some respect you know there's that there's that jeopardy isn't there in there a little bit as I say it's it, I have this vision of a strategy where the thing I want to achieve is I want the world to be different for women. I want to empower women because I want women to be okay with being themselves. I want women to, um, to, to, to look forward to that stage of perimenopause and menopause without fear and without trepidation, to realize there's life beyond it, to, to be able to harness their, their skills, et cetera, that they have and not feel like they have to hang on to youth or not be valuable. So I want all of that for women. And, you know, and I also want them to realize the power that they have within them. And that's where the coaching comes in. I want to release their own inner skills and bring them out so that they can shine in the, in the world as well. And I think everyone would benefit. Our
0: entire world would benefit from people doing that with their skills because we are so we are so very different. Um, but we all come together to create a beautiful picture. Like you and I were very different, but we
1: found great synergy. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is that, you know, if you look at a car engine, a car engine has lots of different parts. And without each of those different parts, it goes nowhere. One thing breaks, one thing's missing, the car doesn't move. The world is like that, really. We need everybody's skills in it at every different level in society. We need those skills. And everybody has something to give. And everybody has a right to feel fulfilled and a right to feel that they have a voice. You know, that's hugely important, but there are two ways that that happens. One is that we believe we have a voice that we can use and the other is the space exists for that voice to be heard. So my kind of uh, mission, if you like, is to create both of those. So I'm using my educator skills and I'm using my coaching skills and I'm using them in slightly different ways, but therefore they're firing me up and I'm energized and I'm passionate and, and I'm loving it. You know. But I loved being a head teacher. I loved working with children that nobody else wanted to work with because they deserved a champion. And I was their champion.
0: If you were going to share one to two pieces of advice to share with all of our listeners, all of our viewership, and you want them to hold on to these kind of golden nuggets, if you will, what
1: does one to two pieces of advice be? First one is okay to be you. You know, really, really sit with that, that it's okay to be me and to understand who. Who that me is, and believe that that me has a space in the world that's valid, important, and also has that voice. So it's okay to be me. That's really, really important. And the other is, failure doesn't define you. It's the first step along the way to success. You can tell that you are a teacher.
0: Your inspirational little motivational like quotes and little things.
1: I can I can tell you are an educator, Jane. Well, it's it's within my blood. My dad was a teacher too, and I think I just learned. Even though I did go into teaching first, I think that's kind of where that's come from as well. You know, um, that whole idea that I mean, my my dad was also a local preacher, so he used to use his voice in several different ways as well. You know, and he still does it. He's in his late eighties. still and he's partially sighted, but he still occasionally preaches. And what he's now doing is he's using that space. And I think he's kind of got to that time now where it's like, I'm going to challenge people. I'm going to really make them think. So he's using that space to really get people to, to be questioning of things rather than to be just taking them for granted. You know, always question stuff. Jane, if people want
0: to get to know you, they want to connect with you, learn more about your offerings, where can they find you?
1: I have a Facebook page, which is Jane Reason Coaching. I'm on Insta, Jane Reason, underscore menopause coach. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn. If you were going to share
0: one last imparting word or piece of advice, is there anything you'd like to share before we sign off?
1: Life can change. So what you think you're going to do now may change. My son is in his 30s. He's already on his third thing that he's, fast, he's passionate about. I've already shown that I started with one career, had my children, didn't work at that point, started another Kieran and now on my third. You, you know, our passions change, what we do changes, our skill set grows. So, you know, don't believe that what you do now will define you for the future because there's always new opportunities and new doors opening. Thank you for joining me on Campus Chronicles. I hope you found
0: our discussion informative, inspiring, entertaining, and fun. We are always working hard to make sure that our episodes are the very best they can be. Which means we need your help. If you liked what you heard, remember to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast platform and drop us a review. It helps us to connect with more students who are hungry for success. And remember, the journey never stops. Keep listening, keep learning, keep growing. See you next week for another amazing episode of Campus Chronicles.